We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. Welcome back to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valatins. We're here. I'm Lauren. I'm with my husband, Jason. We are your hosts, and we are kind of wrapping up what we thought would be like a four-week conversation about the foundations of relational health. Turns out it's more like three weeks. Today we're going to talk about boundaries. And if this is your first time listening to any of our podcast episodes, I would just want to tell you that Jason and I are passionate about helping people learn how to thrive in the area of relationship, everything from friendship to family, dating, marriage. Um, We are... uh, We've been married almost 12 years. We've got five kids, but we blended a family. So we've got all kinds of different dynamics at play, plus our careers in working with people as pastors and counselors. Um, This is our passion point. So equipping you and entertaining you in the area of relational health, that is what we are all about. And today we're going to be talking about boundaries, which is quite a popular topic at the moment in emotional health. I feel like the idea of boundaries was introduced within the last five years. I feel like it's been a more a broader address, a more broadly addressed topic, even in the church. And honestly, sometimes I feel like it gets a little bit abused mm. these days. So we're going to talk about boundaries and actually the importance of boundaries when it comes to relational health, but what it is not as well. So we're yeah. going to get there. We're going to talk about it today. Um, this is a really, really big topic of conversation. Let's let's dive in. I'm ready. Okay, let's go. I love this. Here's why I love this so much is anytime I do a Q&A, um, like an Instagram Q&A, for instance, and like half the time I'm telling people, oh, you need to go read the boundaries book. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got to go use the boundaries <clears throat> book. Oh, yeah. you got to set some healthy boundaries here. And so as much as this topic is like, overplayed for some people like if you misuse boundaries that mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing totally is if you don't use boundaries well then you use them as like this battering ram to keep a whole bunch of people out mm-hmm. and kind of like in a jerk way too so people are like i'm setting a boundary here like if you have to say i'm setting a boundary here you're probably doing it in a jerk way <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so, so just like a spoiler <laughs> alert if you're saying like i'm setting a boundary here yeah. You're probably doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. So boundaries aren't, aren't to keep people out. They're to help create really healthy relationships. And so I am excited Yeah. to really unpack what boundaries are, what they're not, how to use them, Yeah. and how they help us in this life. Because yeah. without them, Unders- life sucks. Yeah. Having and understanding boundaries is absolutely critical if you want to find yourself in meaningful relationships mm-hmm. that you enjoy and that other people enjoy with you. It's so true. Yeah. Brene Brown has this phenomenal um, quote, and I'm just going to kind of read it here. In her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, Brene says, there's only one variable between the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging and those who don't. The people who have a strong sense of love and belonging feel worthy of love. And they 
ultimately feel like I'm worthy of love because my story makes me beautiful. Mm. Um, the people who don't feel worthy of love don't feel lovable. Right. Which seems super obvious. Right. And when I, when you watch like that, her Ted talk on the power of power of vulnerability, it's amazing for starters and everyone should go watch it. But the, the coolest thing about that is she's not saying people are lovable because of all the great things that you've done. Yeah. She's saying people are lovable and feel worthy of love because uh, they believe that their story makes them beautiful. The good, the bad, the ugly, all that stuff. And they're not having to hide that. Right. Yeah. And, but a major key component to believing, not just believing, but living a life where you feel worthy of love is how you let people treat you and how you treat yourself. Well, I think it's an indicator, right? You're an indicator of whether you believe you are worthy of love mm-hmm. is that is how you let people treat you. Yeah, an indicator of, for sure. I believe I'm loved. Will you protect things that you love? You fortify things that you love. You don't let people run all over and stomp all over and trash things that you love. Yeah, and there's kind of this this uh, there's like this swinging pendulum between the person that's like I'm worthy of love and therefore like don't I don't let anyone trash me, mm-hmm. and then like I am loving myself and learning that I'm lovable, mm-hmm. and so I'm setting healthy boundaries in my totally. life. Totally, and and we're on this like sliding scale of like. Oh, in some areas of my life, I do really good with that. And yeah. in some areas of my life, I don't do really good with that. And I think, well, you know, we're going to get into this, but boundaries isn't just one thing. It's not like you set a boundary <laughs> and somebody's either in or out because here's the boundary. Yeah. Boundaries have, gosh, you could use boundaries in conversation. You, you know, these are the kinds of conversations I like yeah. to engage in. These are the kinds of conversations that protect my connection with you. We're not going to shout and yell at each other when we're angry. That's a boundary. That's not keeping anybody out. That's setting like a rule of engagement. There's yeah. there's different kinds of boundaries. Boundaries, I guess what I'm trying to say is out the gate, a boundary isn't just like I'm friends with you or we're not friends. Yeah. That's not what a boundary is. Yeah. It's great to define what a boundary is. It's true. And and there is some of that in there, right? There is some of the like, um, hey, people who, uh, whatever, do drugs and drink constantly like i don't hang around with those people a lot like that's just kind of a boundary in my life and not that i can't minister to those people or be there for them in a hard moment but i'm not going to spend my life hanging out with them right right spend a bunch of time with them um so boundaries are a way that we uh kind of decide what do i want influencing my life how far will I go in certain areas yeah. of my life? How do I want my relationships, you know, the kind of the conduct of my life? Yeah. And I think another way to think about it is, especially as Christians, you know, we are, it was modeled for us to love people. That's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He's, he loves people. He loves every person. And we're actually called to love every person. Well, boundaries help us protect our love for other people. So I am to love everyone. Some people 
I do really good loving them up close. Yeah. My husband, my spouse, my friends. Some people, I might have a really hard time loving them if they're up close. Yeah. So we have boundaries in place. The, you know, the leader of the terrorist organization isn't actually welcome in my home. I yeah. can pray for him <laughs> from across the world. I don't need to be up close and personal with the leader of a terrorist organization in order to actually love that person in my heart. That's an extreme blown up example, but boundaries are in place in order to protect our love for people. You know, so two things that I think we should talk about here. One is how Jesus used boundaries because Jesus was the boundaries master. He was. And we get it thrown in our face all the time, like Christians do. This idea that you should just give everything to everyone all the time. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not loving well. You're not loving like Jesus, right? Yeah. And and you're not doing a good job being a Christian. We carry all this guilt and this shame as believers for being like, hey, I can't help everyone. I can't do everything. And this expectation, okay, maybe I'm just talking from a pastoral. No, it's true. I'm a pastor. So on a Sunday or on a Monday or on a Wednesday, people feel like they should just have ultimate unlimited access to me. I was just dealing with a guy last week. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, uh, not last week, two weeks ago. And he wrote me this really long email about how he wants to meet with me. And which is great. Like he wants to meet with me. He wants to go out to lunch with me and spend time with me. And I had to write him back and say, Hey, I actually don't have time to spend time with you. I just don't have it. And he wrote me back, of course, being like, Hey, this isn't biblically correct. This, you know, you're, you're a leader in the church and you, I should be able to have, I'm entitled to your time because of your job. Yeah. And so, man, I had to like, who put on compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. And cause I just wanted to be like, Hey, get lost. Like you're the kind of guy I'm protecting myself from. Totally. But what I had to realize is, okay. He really needs help. He really wants help. He really wants to feel cared for and loved. And so I just mm-hmm. start out with a caring response. Right. But I had to go through and go, hey, actually, Jesus didn't just give his time to everyone who wanted it. So when we start talking about what Jesus really did, that's not what he did. Mm-hmm. And I have different priorities. So boundaries protect my priorities, mm-hmm. my main mission. And yeah, when we dive into right. Jesus, Jesus was protecting his main mission, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm explaining to him, like, I have to protect my main mission on this life, which which has a tiny bit to do with that guy, mm-hmm. but a whole bunch to do not with that guy. Totally. So I said, you can contact me and connect with me Here's the routes. any Sunday morning. Yeah. Here's the routes for connection. Any men's night, you can do it, right? Here's yeah, the routes. Come Here's the windows. Let's chat. Totally. Let's chat. And he actually wrote me back and said, Hey, I'm really sorry I even sent that email. Mm-hmm. I was I realized now in reflection that I was feeling really insecure and I wanted to be validated. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for handling. Yeah, it was so cool. Thank you for handling this really good. I fully respect your response. And I was like, oh, awesome. Because it doesn't normally go that way. Yeah. And that's when I was thankful that I handled him with compassion and love. But here's the thing. When I was younger, hmm, I I just really feel sad. Like when I was younger, I gave so much time away that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And gave people so much access, even counseling, like to do unlimited Mm -hmm. counseling meetings with people until I was burnt out Yeah, and I was spent. And then what happens is you get resentful. Oh yeah. 
because there, people are taking from you stuff that you don't actually have to give. You know what I'm thinking of as you're talking? It's so funny. This definition popped into my head. I heard somebody once say the definition of trauma is too much, too fast, out of my control. Yeah. How many Christians live in the area of, of connection with people? How many leaders, yeah. let's just say leaders in general, mm-hmm. live feeling obligated to be everything for everybody all the time? And then they wonder why they have these trauma trigger responses when people have needs. Do you, you know, know what that sounds like? What? Most moms I know with young kids. Oh gosh, absolutely. Honestly, I could cry thinking about that. Like how many moms live? So that is the definition of trauma, you guys. Too much, too soon, out of my control. Well, any area of your life where you feel like it's all coming at you and you have no control, you have to just take it. Yeah. That's gonna, you're gonna wind up in a triggered, out of your mm-hmm. mind trauma response if you do that for too long. Yeah. And pretty soon you end up going, what is my life? I hate my life. Yeah. And you're angry and you're frustrated, but you have this, right? So yeah. moms would have this guilt, mom, shame thing, this, I should, I have to, that, that runs yeah. runs them ragged. And mm-hmm. so, man, when we take a look at Jesus, so let's just peel this back really quick, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is, uh, says he crosses the sea, gets to the other side. There's a whole crowd of people waiting for him, mm-hmm. a ton of them. Because they want him, they want his time, right? They want, they want his teaching, they want his time, they want his, his effort. And it says in the Bible that Jesus pushes through the crowd, right? He's on a mission. And that mission is, for starters, Jesus said he only does what he sees the Father doing. So he's not doing what he wants to do. He's, he is, there's already a boundary set up in place, right? So when he wakes up in the morning, he's going, okay, what's on my agenda? God, what's on your agenda? Mm -hmm. That's what's on my agenda. So boom, he's prioritized his priorities for the day. Then he goes and executes that. There's a whole bunch of people waiting around for him that have needs, tons of them. And Jesus, it says, literally says he pushes through the crowd, which I'm so thankful that it, that it has that much detail in these stories. Mm-hmm. And a woman reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And we all know the story. It wasn't like nobody else touched him, but she touched him with faith. And I'm not going to go in and teach this whole thing, but this is important. There was so many different needs that people had in the crowd. Jesus wasn't even going to stop for her. Mm-hmm. But because of her faith, right, she got something. Well, where was Jesus on his way to? Jesus was on his way to heal a little child. And... <clears throat> When I think about that, like, were there not a million different needs in that crowd? Surely there were. And as believers, I always say this, like, I feel like if I was Jesus, I would have rolled up to that whole crowd and been, turned on the maximizer and be like, okay, if you need healing, go over here to Peter and John. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to take a little offering, <clears throat> right? Yeah. For the ministry and to help feed the sick or whatever, mm-hmm. the poor and needy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do this for a little bit. And then I'm going to go reach out to that child who needs help. Uh-huh. That's not Jesus's deal. Like Jesus's deal is, is he's not afraid of offending people. He's, he's not, he's not worried. If you don't understand the mission that, that I'm on, he's okay with that too. Totally. And he's protecting his main priority, which is his relationship with the father which is wild how 
it's really wild how heavily he holds on to, nope, this is my mission. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not my will. It's yours, right? And he focuses so much. And because he was so intent on just doing what the father had him do, he transformed the world in three years because he stayed so focused. He stayed inside of his goals and, and kept, kept, uh, you know, mission minded and, mm-hmm. and had really healthy boundaries. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we look at our lives, if you're an executive, right, if, if you're running a large corporation, you are, you're only effective if you are prioritizing your priorities, which is setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. You're going, what has to get done today? Where's my time going? If you're a mom, mm-hmm. your life's busy and you have friends, right? You have to look at your whole entire life and assess your priorities. Yeah. How much time do my kids need? How much time do my friends need? How much time do I need? How much time do my husband need? How much time does God need? Right. You're literally going through and creating uh, uh, an assessment of your priorities and then fulfilling on those. Mm-hmm. And if you're a dad, you're doing the same thing. I'm going to work every single day. I'm going to go to work five days a week and I'm going to look at my job's priorities. I'm going to look at uh, my wife's priorities for me. I'm going to look at my kids' Uh, expectations of me and I'm going to, I'm going to have to execute on those and I can't keep everyone happy. Yeah. And then the church, right? And so it really is a complicated thing when you start to look at how, why do people struggle so bad with resentment, anger, frustration, feeling used, not liking their life? Well, it's super easy when you start to look at that. I mean, look at the role of a mom. Yeah. She's got husband's priorities she got the kids' priorities, your friends' priorities, then yourself, mm-hmm. and and making sure that you enjoy your life. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a simple thing to... It, it's impossible to have a life where you really feel like, man, my life is thriving without doing really good, healthy boundaries. Because you can't keep all the plates spinning no. at once. It's impossible. And then when one drops and breaks, you feel like a failure. So I think there's, there's, they're related. There's two things that we're kind of talking about. I think we just spent a bit of time talking about priorities and protecting your priorities and that boundaries are absolutely involved in figuring out ways to practically protect your priorities. So absolutely. And, you know, if you're married, if you have kids, congratulations, it just got a little bit easier for you. You just learned your absolute most important job in life is to be a spouse and a mom or a dad, if that's your context. So anything that gets in the way of you doing a good job at that, you're going to need to put a boundary in place. So those are true. Protecting priorities, boundaries are involved. There's probably whole skill sets in learning how to prioritize and time manage and all of that that yeah. we're not going to get into. No. But what we are going to dive probably deeper into today in this episode is talking about the kind of boundaries we put in place with other people in order to protect our connection with the people that matter the most and that match our priority mm-hmm. according to season of life, calling, yep. whatever. And the kind of boundaries that we put in place to protect our love for people where there would otherwise be conflict if they're too close. Yeah. Those are, those are aside from priority protection, 
those are the kind of boundaries that we're probably going to talk about a lot today. Yeah. And I was mostly just saying, hey, this is how boundaries... It like, plays out. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and this is it why. It does. I think what is a common... Like something that every person can relate to is the experience of being in a relationship with someone that is taxing mm. or draining. Like you're in a relationship and you're finding struggle in that relationship and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's, let's just say it's with your mom. Let's just say, mm. you know, every time your mom comes over, there's going to, you're going to feel criticized. You're Which going isn't to, my mom, by the way, or, or mine, honestly, this is a hypothetical situation. Luckily, um, your mom comes over and you know, you're going to feel criticized every time mm. she comes over. You want relationship with your mom. You want your kids to have a relationship with their grandma. But every time she comes over. There's a strain, you feel irritable, angry, criticized, and you're realizing this is a very taxing relationship, yep. but she's my mom. Mm-hmm. So I just have to deal. Yep. Or let's say you've got a friend, maybe you've got a childhood friend. You've been friends for a long, long time. Yep. As years go on, you're in completely different seasons. You're not exactly sure how to relate to each other anymore. You find that that friend has expectations of you that you don't feel like you can meet. You're always disappointing them. What do you do? Yeah. Or you're, you know, you're in a relationship with this guy, you're dating and you're finding yourself constantly feeling like, wait a second, why is there so much stress in this relationship? Yeah. Why do I constantly feel like we're crossing boundaries? Like, why do I always feel guilty after mm-hmm. hanging out with like, what is going on that? So there's, everybody can relate to the experience of being in some sort of relational context where you're feeling internally conflicted about mm-hmm. that relationship. And often I think in working with people and even in just watching this play out in our own lives, what we know is often there are boundaries that need to be implemented in order to either protect your love for someone or to protect the connection with that person. Yeah. And people don't necessarily know how to do that. No, it requires a lot of uh, courage, right? So let's talk about the mom one. For example, mom comes over and when mom comes over, uh, it, it ends up in she's criticizing you mm-hmm. and every time. You know, you're going to have to have courage and have a conversation with your mom. Right. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? That's, that's what, that's what setting boundaries would look like with her is you can feel like you're loving her because like, ah, it's just my mom. I can, I can just take it. But the truth is, is like, it's not loving to not have a conversation with her. Right. Because you're not loving yourself well. Right. And you have somebody in your house, right? Where your kids are watching that interaction that relationship and so you have to here's the thing when you start to to have needs and boundaries with people there are some people that won't do good with it yeah absolutely they won't like it right which is where we get into the different levels of intimacy and the different circles of intimacy which you can explain in a second yeah but you need to know that when you have that conversation with your mom for instance let's just role play this Mm -hmm. out and you say, hey, mom, I'm noticing that when you come over, I'm feeling pain. And I want to feel cared for. I want to feel loved. I want to feel excited when you come over, but I actually feel pain. And I feel pain because I feel criticized. And I feel belittled. And I don't want to live like that with you. So 
when you come over, I want to feel cared for. I want to mm-hmm. feel loved. I want to feel encouraged. And if you have something critical to say, you know, I'd rather you either not say it or say it in a way that feels encouraging, loving, compassionate. Now, if mom says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that. I've probably done that for a really long time. You've just gone through another level of trust with her. You've actually built trust with her when she can see it, own it, and then make some small changes in life mm-hmm. because that really does happen. Mm-hmm. People can grow and, and relationships can change. Okay, you just took your relationship to a whole nother level. So this is the beautiful side to it, which uh, trust and d- the level of connection grows when we fix mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if mom says, you know, this is your issue. Yeah, I don't do that. Then you start to have to, okay, now you have to have a conversation about where mom sits in your life. Mm-hmm. And you may have to say, Hey, uh, I don't, I don't actually want you coming over unannounced. You need you to know? let me know before you come over. Yeah. And you start setting these deeper and deeper and deeper boundaries with mom. Why? To keep mom out? No, actually, so that you don't live in a bunch of resentment for your mom. Right. So that you're not having to, to, uh, deal with mom's inability to manage herself. Right. Because I can love mom really well from a mile away. Yeah. I can send her texts. I can send her Christmas cards. I can, you know, but when she's running around with her hatchet of uh, <laughs> criticism in my house, mm-hmm. it's scary. Yeah. And I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just thinking that it's so multi layered. And I think this is the part that people, people can get really hung up you know, me included, we can get really hung up knowing how to set a boundary in love because that's the fear, right? Is that if we set a boundary, it's going to result in huge disconnection and people are more typically, people are more afraid of disconnection than they are of just living in enduring pain, pain, enduring pain. People are more afraid of the disconnection that could come. And I think that is the risk. You know, the risk involved is you actually can't control how the other person responds no. to the boundary you set, but you can try to, you can try to set boundaries and adjust the rules of play so that you can protect your connection and your love for the other person. And you can keep circling back to it. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a one and done conversation. No. I have a friend who, um, has a parent that is really like strongly opinionated politically. And she had to actually, she had to have a conversation with her parent where she basically said, Hey, listen, I love spending time together. When we talk about politics, I feel a ton of anxiety. Yeah. So when we're together, I just don't want to talk about politics anymore. I, we have so much fun together when we talk about other things, when it goes political, it's just not fun. It's such good feedback. It's, it's hard. such a good boundary. It's such a good boundary. That's mm-hmm. you, that's practically you're going, I want to spend time with you so much. I'm willing to let you know what's not fun for me so we can do the things that actually contribute to building our relationship mm-hmm. instead of breaking it down. Yeah. And again, like that breathes so much life when she watches her mom adjust. Mm-hmm. That trust level builds a ton. Mm-hmm. And then their relationship gets so much stronger. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, so... When we're talking about, you know, you've got relationships of all kinds in your life. Any mm-hmm. any given person is going to have, again, you've got a mom or a dad or family of some sort. Most people do. 
Maybe you're married, maybe you're not. Maybe you have kids. You've got friends that are either closer or more like acquaintances. You have complete strangers. You know, if you're in a field like us where you work with people, then you've got, you know, clients or um, members of the church, you know, things like that. So every person has a wide array, array of types of relationships in their life. And one of the tools that we have found helpful in in empowering people to be really proactive about how they address all of their different kinds of relationships is to kind of create for yourself a mental map of where these relationships fall mm-hmm. in level of intimacy and connection. And if you want to, so for the listeners, if you want to picture for yourself right now, like a bullseye, yeah, there is the core center and we'll talk about this in a minute, but we would say in the core, if you're a believer, then your relationship with God is at the absolute core of who you are as a relational being. He's at the core. So center of the bullseye, that's your relationship with God. Boom. As you move out to the outer rings of this bullseye, you're, you're moving out and the people that are closest to you are the closest to the center. Yes. So for example, you've got God, then if you're married, the next ring would be your spouse. Then beyond that, the next ring would probably be your kids. Your kids. Beyond that, you've got maybe a couple close friends mm-hmm. or maybe there's family members in there. As you move out, 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 you're you're moving further away from intimacy and further away from trust. So the deeper, I'm going to say it a different way. And responsibility. Responsibility for those relationships, Mm -hmm. right. So I'll say it a different way. As you move towards the core of the bullseye, you increase in intimacy, trust, and responsibility. And so if you just make a mental note of like, okay, pick the 12, 15 most significant relationships in your life, map them out. As, as it, it pertains to closeness, and then do a little assessment. Are the people that I just put in the center of my bullseye, the people that I have the most intimacy with, that I trust the most, and that I am the most responsible for? Mm-hmm. If not, there are some adjustments to make. Yeah. If so, congratulations. But you still need to understand how those people got there and why they're where they are. Because you need to understand what it is that you're protecting in those different spaces. So let's go back to the mom, the mom of the example of the critical mom. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm married. I've got a relationship with God. He's at the center of my life. My spouse and I are appropriately intimate and close. He's the next one. Then I've got my mom. And she's in that she's in that core place of relationship for me, but I actually don't trust her a ton. I have a ton of anxiety when we're together. Again, this is completely hypothetical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mom and I are really close. But this is common. You've got a you've got a very close relationship that you don't actually have a ton of trust with that provide or pro- provokes a ton of anxiety for you. And when they're in that space, you find yourself not being able to take care of the other people that you are actually completely responsible for, i.e. your spouse, your kids, yourself, whatever. So that'd be a great example of when you would know, I need to make an adjustment. I, My mom is in a spot 
in this circle of intimacy that she doesn't, she's, we don't trust each other enough. I don't trust her enough to be in that spot, but I don't know what to do to move her out. And what does that even mean? How does that, how does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, we're constantly throughout our life moving people closer and further away. And, you know, when you're young, I mean, your parents are going to be close to that center of the bullseye. I mean, they're the most important relationship that you have in your life. And you are setting and resetting priorities based upon their needs and expectations and, and all that. And, you know, you have different friends. If you look back to high school, the different friends that you had in your life where Mm -hmm. they were in that inner ring and then, oh, either something happened, they couldn't protect your priorities. Mm -hmm. So that happens a lot. Uh, They can't protect your core values. They... Uh, they don't know how to take ownership, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Therefore, you move them out. You find different friends. You have a conversation with them. They don't. That conversation doesn't go go well. You move them further away, and then new people come in closer. And you know, we only have so much capacity. So here's the thing: you only have so much capacity. So you can't have a hundred people in your close, intimate circle. It doesn't have. It, it, it can't happen. And if you do, there's so much expectation on you that you crumble, Mm -hmm. you crack. And so that, you know, when people try to please everybody, they don't please anybody. And this is a good point because I think it's possible for me as an individual to have put people in a place where they don't even, it's not that they're putting a bunch of pressure Mm -hmm. on me for them to be so close. But when I live with an a sense of over responsibility for yep. too many people. I try, I find myself trying to meet needs for a million people that I can't possibly meet. And yep. so I, I wind up being tired and exhausted and not able to protect my priorities. Cause I'm trying to be everything for too many people. That'd be an example of like, I've just put 20 people right outside that ring closest to God, where I'm trying to be everything for them when actually that's probably reserved for one person, a spouse, or if you're not married, one or two really close friends. You can't actually be that responsible and that intimate with endless amounts of people. Yeah, it's true. Let's talk about some common, really common mistakes. Okay. Um, you put, you put your spouse in the God spot. Mm, yeah, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And here's why. Or a boyfriend or... Yeah, that middle section is the bullseye is God is your source for direction, protection, identity, comfort, unconditional love, healing, mercy, right? Like he is your your source for all those things. Mm-hmm. And when you replace somebody else in that spot, there's expectations that you have for them, right? So if you put me in the God spot, anytime you're having a bad day, uh, feeling purposeless, Mm -hmm. uh, feeling hopeless. Like you are looking at me for your source for that. Yeah. Impossible for me to feel that. Right. Completely impossible. The expectation that you place on that center person is so incredibly vital uh, and critical. And and so that's really common is you put something else, you put money in your God spot, anything else in your God spot, big problem. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to move that thing out. Right. Um, another really common one is uh, when people first get married, and the husband 
and the dad are in the same spot. Oh. For the woman. Husband and dad. Uh, if a if a girl has a really hard time um trusting her husband and and dad and she keeps going back to dad, that can be a big one. A big one. And what happens? Well, the husband's in competition now with his father-in-law. It's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that happens quite a bit is uh People who like, like for me, when we got, when we got married, uh, if I had my kids in your spot, does that make Mm -hmm. sense? So blended family, right? We blend a family and I still have my kids as a higher priority than your Mm -hmm. new spouse. Uh Oh yeah. Now we're in trouble, right? Because you're in competition with the kids in priorities Mm -hmm. together. Like my priority is you, our priority is the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And if my priorities, the kids, then you're having to fight and convince me that my priority should be you. Right. And now you are in competition. Big, big mess. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So there's some, you know, uh, there's some really simple ones that, that happen a lot. But the, the ultimate thing is that we do. We have to take a look at who is in our inner circles. What are the expectations that we have and can they fulfill those? And if not, then what are you going to do to start having conversations, moving uh, moving people out, and eventually moving other people in? Yeah. And when we say moving people out, here's what we're not saying. We're not saying like, show your friend the diagram you've drawn, <laughs> drawn of your circles of intimacy and explain to them how you're now moving them out a few rings. Like this is not a conversation probably that happens in the sense of, uh, here's the here's what I'm trying to say. Most of this adjustment is just, it's an element of self-awareness. Most of this adjustment is something that you're gonna do in your own mind and in your heart as you actually visualize how you are conducting your relational life. How are you doing at managing and leading yourself in all of your different relationships? Okay, this visual is going to help you see how you're currently managing it. And then you're going to see a visual for how you're going to actually make adjustments to protect your main priorities. So it's not like you have to show your friend, mm-hmm. you're I'm sorry, you hurt me. You're out three rings. I'm sorry. Get out of here. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying in your own in your own heart, you're understanding how people move in and out of intimacy with you. We the, are either closer or we're not so close based on these different factors, including trust and intimacy. Yeah. So uh, the thing is, you may not move anyone out, you, but they will move themselves out. And here's why. It's because you're having conversations with them. Mm-hmm. You, it's not It's not necessarily your choice. It would be their choice. So again... You have, we go back to our original example of mom. Mm-hmm. You're saying, hey, this is hurtful. This is painful. I need something different. Yeah. And mom refuses to listen to that. Yeah. Well, that's not your choice, whether how she responds to it. You're going to go, oh, I, I guess you're choosing to, to not do what it takes to have a really strong, healthy, connected relationship. And I think what we do from there is we adjust our expectations mm-hmm. of that person. So I'm thinking now of, um, gosh, I've, I mean, this is this is an example that I've heard countless times. Say you've got a friend and you find that you're usually disappointed in this friend's ability to show up for you. Let's say 
you're going through something and you realize, gosh, I am not, I'm not feeling cared for by this friend. Well, number one, does this friend know yeah. that you actually have needs? Probably Back not. to the conversation of needs. Have you ever vocalized your needs to this friend? Have they ever agreed to being able to meet that set of needs mm-hmm. for you? So what happens is when people have expectations that are not met, it's the same as having a need that goes unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. It leads to pain. Yep. So a lot of pain inside of different relationships, whether friendship, marriage, whatever, it comes down to, I have a, I have a set of needs that I either have or haven't communicated. That other person either has or hasn't validated them and agreed to meet them. Yep. We're agreeing about the level of responsibility we're going to carry for each other. I know how to love you practically in these different ways. If that's not happening, you are going to find yourself feeling hurt. But what you have to be able to do, I think what we all have to be willing to do is go, okay, this person, whether it's the critical mom or the friend who you want to be best friends, but they just keep not showing up for you. Okay. You're going to either constantly feel hurt by this person, or you're going to adjust your expectation of them so that you're not always hurt by them. Yeah. I think that's a really big deal. Yeah. Being able to adjust your expectation, which is really what you're doing. Uh, as you're, you know, hypothetically moving people closer or further away is you are adjusting the expectation. So, you know, I have almost no expectation for people I meet in the grocery store, almost none, right. uh, just that they're polite. Right. Uh, and well, actually that they just adhere to the uh, social norms, yeah, social norms. And, and so, but when I meet people in church, there's a little bit more expectation of somebody in church, Right. Now we're, we're social norms, but social norms for Christians. Mm-hmm. And, but then I go to a small group. I've, I've got way more expectation for the 12 guys that I disciple. Totally. As opposed to just random church guys. Yeah. And then, you know, I have way more expectation for my kids than I do even for the 12 guys that I disciple and way more expectation for you. And so, you know, we're just constantly... Totally. Uh, uh, reprioritizing, readjusting, looking, communicating, and giving. But but to me, one of the main important things is I'm giving my effort, my energy, and my attention to, I'm prioritizing to the people that are closest. And, and so it it's really a way of deciding where you're going to put your time, effort, and energy, mm-hmm. and, and money even. You know, the closer somebody is, the more it's going to, the more they have access to my resources. Like Riley, our daughter, if her car breaks down, she called me the other day and she said, Hey, I ripped the bumper off the front of my car. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Okay. Where are you? I'm at Trader Joe's. Dang. Well, because she's close, she's in my inner circle. Guess what? The rest of my day is already planned for me. You put it aside. I put it aside. Mm -hmm. You know, if a church member, reached out to me on social media and said, hey, I ripped my bumper off. I'm going to give them a little bit of my energy. I'm going to say, hey, this body shop here in town. Call this number. Call this number. Totally. Yeah. If I walk outside and there's a random person and their bumper was off, I may just go, oh, man, sorry. That looks like a tough day. That's tough. Do you need to use my phone? Yeah. And so you see the different prioritizations of our time, effort, energy, uh, resources uh, given to Those are great practical examples. Yeah. Wanna, okay, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to dating or 
let's say that's great relationships. Well, here's the scenario because I see this happen a lot, especially when we were younger. I remember I had a few friends who they just seemed to connect better with the guys. Mm. Like a girlfriend who was hanging out all the time with the guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your best friend is this dude. And no, we're not dating, but we're best friends. Yeah. So what does it look like? Could we just paint a couple pictures of what it looks like when people are in the wrong spot? What yeah. happens when... The guy in the back pocket. Yeah, you got you got your best friend is this guy. Yeah, so... Or, you know, for the guy, your best friend is this girl. Yeah, the challenge is when you put the opposite sex. So if I have a best friend who's a girl, well, I have a best friend guy spot. I have a close friend guy spot. Let's just call it a close friend guy spot, right? So these close friends that I have, like I really do have close friends right now. I just Mm -hmm. worked out with him in the morning. I have a set of expectations of needs that he's going to meet. So he's going to be there for me uh, almost any time, almost, not every time. But almost. So I expect him to answer the phone. Um, but I, but they're going to meet my close friend guy needs. So for adventure, camaraderie, um, accountability, inspiration, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If I put a girl in that spot, all of a sudden what happens is the when I get to the point where I'm ready to date a woman. I'm already giving all that, that time, effort, energy, emotional connection to my best friend girl. And I have to make so much adjustment, right? Like I am using somebody to get my needs met Mm -hmm. in a way that they were never designed to meet those needs. My wife's designed to meet that need. And so, you know, part of the challenge is when you, when you put, the opposite sex in that best friend role spot, they were never designed to meet that. So it creates this really weird relationship where uh, I'm not committing to you, right? Like I'm not committing to you uh, in a boyfriend, girlfriend type of relationship, but I want, I want the benefit of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without the commitment of yeah. intimacy yeah. and it creates this really weird relationship. Yeah. I remember before we started dating, uh, after I'd gone through my divorce and I was good to go, I had to really think hard about how, what kind of relationships I was going to have with the opposite sex mm-hmm. and my standard. Here's my standard. I realized I don't want to have to change my relationship with other girls when I finally find a girl that I want to date. Right. So if I would have had a best friend girl, then all of a sudden when you came in, now she's in competition with her. Yeah. That makes sense. You wanted to make sure you didn't have to adjust your friendships to accommodate for a girlfriend. Yep. Right. Because what's the, there's not much difference between my best friend guys and this is, this is going to sound bad, but let me explain it. Mm-hmm. There's not much difference between my best friend guys and my relationship with you in the sense of 
you're not in competition with them because they're guys. Yeah. Right. But we're going to go do adventures. We're going to go have fun. We're going to, like, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time with them. Uh, I'm going to go do adventures with you mm-hmm. and I'm going to go have fun. They're not jealous of you. They know that you're the main priority. I'm protecting mm-hmm. that priority. But it's interesting, like David with Jonathan, David said of Jonathan in the Bible that his relationship to Jonathan, his bond with Jonathan was stronger than that of a woman. Mm. And so part of it's like, if it's, if I have a woman as a best friend and I'm married, I'm having an emotional affair. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that, that is the reality. If I'm going out and playing football and going hunting, and these are things that I do, mm-hmm. and fly fishing with a woman, I'm having an emotional affair. Yeah. Um, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing it with my guy friends, I'm building strong. They're my brothers. It is possible, though, that you... And now this comes back to protecting priorities. If your relationships with your brothers are keeping you from protecting the priority that you have with your wife, yeah, yeah. there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, sure. For sure. But when I... You only have one spot for a woman. Right. For a wife. Mm-hmm. You only have that one spot. Yeah. And when you, when you put... If I was to put a girl in that spot... Like, I only have one spot for a girlfriend. So let's let's start there. I only have one spot for a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't have 10 spots for a girlfriend. Right. You can't have 10 girlfriends. No. So I can't be ha- putting all these girls, if I'm not married, in this girlfriend spot, but not be dating them, not be committed totally. to, to, to them. Mm-hmm. It sends this message that... Uh, Yeah, it just sends this really dishonoring message. Yeah, it does. And I think it goes back to the visual like of the bullseye. If you're starting out from the outer ring of the bullseye and you're talking straight acquaintances, Mm -hmm. the way that you move towards the center of the bullseye is by increasing in your level of intimacy, which should correlate with your level of trust, which should correlate with your level of commitment. So if you're experiencing a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of intimacy with somebody, but you don't have any commitment to them, you are violating that relationship 100%. and there's no trust between you. Yeah. And, or ultimately somebody's going to get hurt at some point. That's a given. So you have to make sure that the people at the very core of your bullseye are not just the people that you're the most intimate with or the most connected to, but you're that, that you're the most committed to and that you have the most trust with. Yeah. And I mean, you can, that's why this stuff's complicated because if you put somebody at your inner ring and you don't have trust and and you don't, they don't have a commitment to you, I mean, you're having, it's a one night stand, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, like you just end up this broken mess. You keep bringing people and putting people in these inner yeah. vulnerable places in your life. I mean, yeah. y- you're just prostituting yourself out. Honestly, this is, you know... This doesn't happen as much inside the church, but you know, when you, when you think about, I mean, there's people out there, right. That they're going to live together forever. They never want to get married. Yeah. And obviously to each his own in the sense of if they're not actually walking in, or if they're not living in such a way where their standard is God's standard, then the standard is just whatever they set for themselves. But it is interesting when you consider how much anxiety is in relationships with people who are trying to be really intimate without any commitment. Yeah, can so I, much anxiety. It's like this. Proverbs says, "A man who lacks self-control 
is like a city whose walls are broken down, right? So back in the day, a city had big, thick walls, right? which protected, created a place of safety. The best cities had the biggest walls. Yeah. And what was valuable, if you rocked up to a city that had massive walls, you knew there was value in there. When you come to a city that has no walls, no boundaries, you know that's not a place you want to live for a long time. Right. When somebody doesn't have the ability to set healthy boundaries in their life, it's chaos. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a disorder. Mm -hmm. It's disruption. And so, you know, I heard, listen to Jordan Peterson a while ago, talk about when you live with somebody, but you won't marry them. Mm -hmm. That's a relationship that is filled with anxiety because the underlying tone for that, right, is if you don't do what I want you to do, if yep. you're not pleasing, if you're not fun, if this relationship isn't interesting, I can always just kind of back out whenever I want to. Yeah. It takes a heck of a lot of trial and error to make marriage work well. Mm-hmm. And you have to have that other person saying, I'm in this 100%. Unconditional. Unconditionally. And you have to have the trust and security that I'm in this 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, this, not this idea that at any moment I can leave. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to dive into that a ton. I'm sure we'll get back to it. Yeah. But the circles of intimacy in, well, for starters, setting boundaries and, and knowing your boundaries, having clear expectations and having conversations to, to express your boundaries and to express your expectations and making sure that you are tidying that house. Mm-hmm. You are keeping your house clean. You are keep making sure that the expectation that you really have is what people can meet. Mm-hmm. You know, for those that, that can't, you know, you're having those hard conversations. That's how you live a life of order yeah. that leads to, you know, you feeling worthy of love, which is yeah. where we started. People feeling loved mm-hmm. when they're around you. Uh, your life thriving. Yeah. It's it's like gardening. Right. And you are tending that garden. Some weeds grow up, you go and you address them. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have fertilizer in this area, you go and you put fertilizer yeah. in there. And it's a constant adjustment and a constant movement. And just the last thing, a very good visual picture is when somebody starts dating, mm-hmm. right? Like you have all these people that are in priority in your life before, you, before you're dating. You have priorities, right? People that are they're holding spots and times inside mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. When somebody starts dating, uh, they start from pretty far out. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you go out on a first date and you're like, oh, that was kind of cool. You go on a second and third. Well, three three months into it, that person is jumping more and more deeper and deeper and deeper priority right? based upon you know your level of commitment, your level trust. of intimacy, your trust, right? Yeah. And they're eventually going to take a spot that someone else held. Totally. And you're... And you're going to make it was your best friend. Maybe it was yep. your parent. And that becomes a big problem sometimes for best friends. All of a sudden you realize, oh, my relationship, right? When I dated you mm-hmm. my and finally got to the point of marriage, my relationships all around me where I was giving time, I was taking that time away from them and giving it to you. Right. Now, my, my environment was cool with it uh, and we should be, but that can create a whole bunch of, of, of challenge. Um, because you know, again, I'm refocusing my priorities, but it's yeah. a good visual for people to go, Oh, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. That's exactly how it Absolutely. works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is great. And you know, I'm realizing as we're wrapping up this episode, we could talk 
one episode specifically about what do boundaries look like in marriage? What do boundaries look like mm-hmm. in a dating relationship? What do boundaries look like with our parents when we are adults? What is our boundaries? You know, what is a boundary with a child? Somebody that I'm completely responsible to. How do I have boundaries with my kids who, you know, I am their everything. Yeah. All There's a million. And we'll do some of that. And we'll do that. We'll do that as we go, as we're kind of more topic specific. We'll kind of dig into boundaries some more. But this is a great overview, and it's definitely a pillar. If we're talking about foundations for relational health, knowing and understanding how boundaries work, that's going to be foundational. Um, We were going to talk about communication today, but honestly, the boundaries subject is just so huge. We'll have to address that at a different time. But guys, thanks for listening. Hopefully this was helpful for you. Um, It's possible that you are ending this episode with more questions than with answers. And that's just kind of the journey that we'll go on together. Again, we'll, we'll dive in more deeply, but we want to continue getting to know our audience, especially if this is the first episode you've listened to of dates, mates, and babies. Um, I would encourage you to check out the previous three episodes where we talk about the other foundations for relational health. We're going to jump in, um, to some more topic specific stuff. I'm really excited in the coming weeks. Jay and I are actually going to unpack our dating story for you guys. It's just, it's really fun. Um, that was a fun season of life, but we learned a lot and uh, I'm excited to dig into that a little bit and, and even share more of our story of, Um, dating each other, blending a family, that kind of thing. So um, we're excited about what's coming up. It's going to be good stuff. But as always, leave us comments. We want to know how this is hitting you, uh, what your questions are. You can always connect with us on social media. You can email us. Um, Please, for sure, rate and share this podcast. We want to get the word out and you can help us do that and give us reviews. We want to know what you think. So thanks a ton. We'll see you next time. Have a great week.